0: As a lead-in to our upcoming two-part series on horror movies, we wanted to return to this little prequel focused on one of my most favorite horror movies ever, and the wild story behind one of the most successful horror hoaxes in American history. So listen for the first time, or rewind this old blockbuster VHS and listen again. For more to enhance your listening experience of our upcoming series on horror movies and their link to our culture, check out our episodes on monsters, rednecks, the satanic panic, phantom clowns, and talking to the dead. And now, here's Believing in the Blair Witch, right after these messages. On these mini-episodes, we'll be exploring the strangest viral phenomena of the world wide web. I'm your host, Chelsea Weber-Smith, and this is American Hysteria. Heather Donahue, Josh Moore Leonard, and Michael Williams disappeared in 1994 while shooting a documentary film project in the Black Hills area near Burkittsville. The three student filmmakers are still missing. After 20 years, I can still remember the aggressive curiosity, the sort of excited confusion of just how in the world a couple young filmmakers had been allowed to show this found footage of three college students who disappeared without a trace, who'd been terrorized by someone or something in the woods and likely killed out there. As an obsessive fan of America's Most Wanted, I thought that surely it would compromise the investigation into their whereabouts, into their possible murder. I was 10 years old in 1999 when the rumors began about the Blair Witch Project with a viral marketing campaign unlike anything that came before or anything that would be able to come after. The internet looked a lot different 20 years ago. It was not yet the omniscient, all-encompassing information bank that it is today. It was easier then to pull a fast one on the entire nation, the entire world. And it was one of the most exciting things that ever happened in my childhood. It made me question the nature of reality itself. And it certainly helped inspire me, all these years later, to investigate the stories we come to believe, especially urban legends, and why we are as wonderfully gullible as we are when it comes to a good story. You know, that's what really inspired us with Blair Witch, you know. And I had a UFO club when I was a kid, and, you know, there was just this kind of whole... This general neurosis, I think, people had, and also a fascination with wanting to believe in that stuff. You know, we remember when we were kids. You know, after you watched that show, you would be sitting there in front of the TV. You'd be like, "Holy moly, Bigfoot is real!" Running, you're like, "Oh!" And the Loch Ness monster is real, and the UFOs are real. The Blair Witch Project would be the first horror film to be invited to screen at the Sundance Film Festival, and would go on to gross $250 million worldwide on a budget of just 60 grand, making it one of the most successful independent films ever made. But how did their team possibly pull off creating both a film and an entire complicated mystery that was real enough for so many people to believe? including not just this 10-year-old, but also my parents and so many other grown-ass people. They manufactured an urban legend. They made an entire mythology, a bloody backstory rich and fragmented enough to feel authentic, though it was entirely made up by film students at the University of Central Florida, directors Daniel Mirick and Eduardo Sanchez. Not only that, but their marketing team also facilitated the spread of the urban legend. The lore was presented in another fake documentary that premiered the same night as the film itself, but on the Sci Fi Channel, complete with interviews with the missing students' professors, from police officers involved with the missing person's case, with grieving family members, even an interview with a real pagan, and fabricated news reports and anchors detailing the search old books and journal entries, all adding up to a kind of mysterious, classically cheesy true crime documentary twinged with the paranormal Satanism that marked the 80s and 90s, and I watched wide-eyed with my parents on our living room couch. Here's the basic story of the legend of the Blair Witch, a sort of evil that seems to return every 60 or so years in the town of Burkittsville, Maryland, formerly known as the Blair Township. In 1785, when an elderly woman named Ellie Kedward was accused of witchcraft by a group of local children, she was banished from Blair and tied to a tree in the woods where she was rumored to have frozen to death in the harsh winter. Soon after, the children that accused her started to disappear, and then more and more children followed the same fate. An old and decrepit book called The Blair Witch Cult from 1809 detailed the satanic abuse of those missing children in the hands of a violent witch. Old journals also detailed an incident in 1825 when a child drowned and witnesses saw a ghostly arm actually pull her into the shallow creek and under the rocks and deep into the mud, so deep that her body was never found. Then in 1886, a little girl went missing and the first of the search party groups was found entirely disemboweled with strange pagan symbols carved into their faces, each tied to the other at a place near the same creek called Coffin Rock. Then in 1940, a hermit named Rustin Parr, who was hanged for brutally murdering seven children in his house in the woods, said during the trial that he was doing the bidding of an old woman ghost. The one child who escaped gave testimony that he was told to stand in the corner and face the wall while Rustin Parr killed the other kids. Then in 1994, when the three students went missing, their footage was found in their backpacks, buried under a colonial-era wall near a house that had recently burned down. The stones in the wall had not been disturbed, and it seemed as if the backpacks had somehow magically materialized underground. The last piece of footage on the tapes... One of the students standing in the corner, another screaming as the camera falls to the ground. Now, all that together, that is a good story. In addition to the fake documentary that premiered on sci fi, the website BlairWitch.com also laid out the entirety of the history and was also full of crime scene photos and timelines, with producers adding updates constantly to fuel the feeling that it was an ongoing investigation. The website had more than 20 million page views before the movie even premiered, and only about half of those were me from my dial-up internet. The lore around The Blair Witch was so well fleshed out that Artisan Entertainment apparently did a poll of people watching their film, and nearly 50% of the people believed that at least part of the legend was true. By the time the film premiered, there were reports of people driving for hours to catch one of only 27 theaters featuring the movie, and some even camped out overnight. Had I not been 10 years old, I probably would have been one of them. The ongoing marketing for The Blair Witch Project was a collection of avant-garde methods that added up to a fantastic, realistic illusion. Heather Donahue, Michael Williams, and Joshua Leonard were improv actors hired by the directors, and they chose to use their real names for the movie, even updating their IMDb pages to list them as missing. The producers printed missing posters of the three students and hung them around college campuses all over the country and had them printed in a bunch of newspapers. They were even handed out at the Cannes Film Festival. During the lead up to the film's release, the three actors were told not to do interviews and to stay completely out of the spotlight, which they did. In fact, they were so successful at pretending to be dead that strangers actually sent cards and called Heather's mother with their deepest sympathies for her loss, with their theories about what exactly had happened to her poor daughter. The only piece of evidence found by police was Joshua Leonard's car parked on Black Rock Road. Uh, we checked the car over completely, never found any clues with the vehicle. Uh, we checked the uh, with witnesses that may have seen the FEM students, and never co- we, uh, we can never locate them. All of this would have been easily proven false by a simple Google search today, but that's just not how the Internet worked in 1999. The marketing team added anonymously new mysterious clues to message boards and Internet forums that were discussing the authenticity of the footage and the story. By completely avoiding using mainstream cinema trailers or commercials, they saved a ton of money and also lent a feeling to the fans that they had stumbled on something truly special, on something truly authentic. But that's not the only way that the Blair Witch Project was able to come off as legit. It was also thanks to their very unorthodox method of filming. More on that after these messages. Okay, there's no way I can talk about The Blair Witch Project without repping Skylark's incredible audio drama Blackwood, created by my buddy and co-producer Will Rogers, whose voice you know from his acting on American Hysteria. Blackwood also creates its own rich urban legend and follows three high schoolers as they investigate the stories and find out that there's a lot more truth to the legends of the Bugman than they ever really wanted to find. And it also stars Tatiana Ali from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I mean, come on. Will and I are true fans of -of coming-of-age teen horror, and he knows how to tell the kind of stories that I absolutely love. We also went together to Burkittsville, Maryland, where we took photos as the characters in the exact locations they were filmed in The Blair Witch Project, so you know you want to hang out even more with these cool guys. Really, though, check out Blackwood now on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and disappear into another great story. And just for fun, suspend that disbelief and enjoy believing in the story of the bug man in the story of Blackwood. Haters say that the acting in The Blair Witch Project is the worst there is. In fact, it was nominated for two Razzies in 1999, which are awards for the worst in film, with Heather Donahue winning for her leading performance. Since we don't want a copyright violation, here's my version of her performance. I just want to apologize to Josh's mom and Mike's mom and my mom. I was so naive. What what is that? I'm scared to close my eyes. I'm scared to open them. I'm so scared right now. Thank you. That scene went on to be parodied mercilessly, especially because Heather, in her truly authentic performance in my opinion, happened to have a lot of cry snot hanging out of her nose. When Sanchez and Merrick came up with their original 65-page script, it was more of a suggestion, because they wanted the whole thing to be improvised and filmed by the actors themselves, who for the most part had very little experience with cameras. This is one of the main reasons that so many people hated the film and even claimed to be made nauseous by the erratic movement of the handicams. In order to make the reactions as true to life as possible, the actress had very little idea about what was coming. And then and then when they shot it, it was a weird way of shooting it. It was an incredibly it, weird way of shooting Because you were seriously screaming and crying. Yeah. This was not acting. No, no. Well, here's, here's the deal. What do you think acting is, Craig? Well, that's... This is an important question that comes up a lot as regards right. this movie. After the three went into the woods, with the crew following way out of sight, they were instructed by a pre-programmed GPS unit to hike to different points in the woods that had been designated and find crates of supplies and just the briefest notes in film canisters about whatever needed to happen to advance the plot. Otherwise, they were on their own the crew actually followed behind them in the night and made frightening sounds in the distance and left all the creepy rock piles and the hanging stick dolls along their path, as well as the famous bundle of, yes, real human teeth. Merritt called it a 24-hour stage play that the actors were experiencing, ending with a climax at a very creepy old abandoned house in the woods that the crew had filled with tiny, sooty handprints of the missing children. The crew essentially played the Blair Witch. I have to believe that the actors reactions then were at least a little bit real because I don't know about you, but even if I knew that that was fake, it would still freak me out. Satanic panic and the panic around satanic ritual abuse and witchcraft in the 80s and 90s certainly influenced the lore of the Blair Witch. Eduardo Sanchez mentioned that in the original set of the abandoned house, there was supposed to be a bunch of candles and pentagrams and all the typical satanic stuff that was made popular by tabloid talk shows and fake fundamentalist testimonials of satanic cults. The national obsession and belief in satanic ritual abuse certainly acted as an underlying encouragement for people to believe the unbelievable when it came to the dark forces of the world. And had it not been for that widespread panic, I have a hard time believing that America would have bought the story of the Blair Witch. Interestingly enough, the director of the not-so-well-received but classic Blair Witch sequel, Book of Shadows, was Joe Berlinger, one of the directors responsible for the HBO investigative documentary series on the West Memphis Three that spanned almost 20 years called Paradise Lost, which was largely responsible for helping to free three wrongly imprisoned men who'd been accused of murdering three kids in a satanic ritual in the early 1990s when they were teenage metalheads in a small conservative town. You can actually hear an interview I did with Joe on my previous podcast called Behind True Crime. In 1999, I spent an unnerving amount of time making those Blair Witch symbol dolls. You know, the ones made out of four twigs tied together with long grass, these strange runic dolls that the movie made into their brand. Well, I would leave them on people's car windows, on their doorsteps, I'd even hang them from strangers' tents in the night when I was out camping with my family. And in that way, I like to think I contributed to this wild hoax, this one-of-a-kind moment in American entertainment history, this outrageously successful creation and spread of an original urban legend. One of my truest inspirations for this very show... It seems that by now, 20 years later, the rumors of the film's reality would be long laid to rest, but Heather Donahue says there are still people online who believe in the reality of the Blair Witch legend, in The Disappearance, and they think that Heather, Mike, and Josh are really hired shills in some grand conspiracy. That those students really did die that they really did disappear under these mysterious circumstances and that the three actors were hired to play them in real life so whoever is responsible probably some elite satanic cult connected to the illuminati will yet again get away with unspeakable crimes american hysteria is written produced and hosted by me chelsea weber smith Assistant produced by Derek Smith, produced and edited by Clear Camo Studios, and research assisted by Riley Smith. We'll be back in two weeks with another viral phenomenon from the World Wide Web. In the meantime, subscribe to Blackwood, follow American Hysteria on social media, leave us a review, and get ready because we're coming up on camping season. See ya out there. Thank mm-hmm. you.